is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Amen. Hey, let's, give, let's give the Lord a hand this morning, please. Very good. Um, just a... Um, I, I don't know, you know, Easter, it's, it's, the, it's the Super Bowl of Sundays, right? I, I mean, when it comes to the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and if there's ever a Super Bowl to worship and to serve Jesus Christ, it's, it's got to be the day that we celebrate. Every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but today specifically we come together as, as servants of the Most High, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, just to give him our worship and our praise and just to show him his great worth because, look, because he did it, we couldn't. We have everlasting life if we believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, open your Bibles with me this morning, please, to the Gospel of Luke. And we've been going through a series called um, Famous Last Words, and we've looked at several of them. We've, we've looked at um, um, Why Have You Forsaken Me? Those famous last words that Jesus spoke on the cross when he says, uh, Lord, why have you forsaken me? And why God had to turn himself from Jesus Christ. We've talked about it is finished. We've um, talked about um, some different topics. And today we look at the famous last words that Jesus spoke when he spoke to one of the, the thieves. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, I hope that all of us here this morning can, 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 can say that I will be with the Lord in paradise. I, I just pray and I hope so. But today is a wonderful day and we're glad everyone's here and a lot of visitors and I even have some special guests and I won't go through with them because you can't you know, show yours off so I won't show mine off this morning. But it's good to have everybody here. But the question is, is um, what does it take for us to get to heaven? You know, the Bible teaches us that God sent his sinless son, Jesus Christ, to this earth and that he lived a perfect life and never once he committed a sin. And for that, uh, he was arrested and he was crucified. That he, uh, that he was placed on this cross. And before he was placed on this cross, that he was beaten with this catanine pole. And remember, we've talked about it these last three weeks, that that, uh, that, that pole, it, it, had, it had stone and it had metal on it. And it wasn't just made just to make cuts but it was made for the purpose of ripping skin off. And so as we imagine our Lord Jesus Christ, and he was made to walk down that beautiful song that we, just, that we sang earlier, Via Della Rosa, and he carried his cross where he couldn't carry it anymore, and Simon took it and carried it the rest of the way. And then he was nailed upon that cross, and he was put up on display, and he was mocked. His beard was plucked while he was down. And, but, but we understand that he, he's blameless, and nobody could find fault in him. And then he gave up the ghost. He commended his spirit. He gave it. Nobody took it. Everybody say amen. And then the Bible says the stone was rolled away, and he wasn't there, for he rose again. Amen. 
I, I heard a story about, uh, yeah, uh, I heard a story about uh, two of the Roman soldiers. I don't think it's a true story, Amy, but nevertheless, it's a story. And uh, again, I don't think it's true, but I heard the story about uh, the two, two Roman soldiers that were there by the tomb, and when they found it was empty, one looked at the other, and he said, uh, he said, boy, we're dead meat now. <laughs> and the other one looked back at him. He said, oh, don't worry about it. In a year or so, nobody's ever going to remember this. Here we are over 2,000 years later. We just don't remember it, but we celebrate it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now give the Lord a hand, a hand for that, will you? <laughs> Amen. I was thinking, and... Um, I was thinking this week, and I was driving in my pickup, and I, I pondered about my life. And uh, I thought all about my big mistakes and all of my small mistakes, and I won't go through all of them, but, you know, even today I certainly make mistakes, and so do all of us. But I was thinking about what kind of person I used to be, what kind of person I used to be, and all the different mistakes, and and, and as I was thinking and pondering on that, I just said out loud, it just come out loud, it just come out aloud, and I said, I'm not that person anymore. I'm a different person. The difference is, is that I got right with God. Listen, listen, listen to me. I got right with God. It, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm perfect, but it means that I'm secure. It doesn't mean that I'll never do anything wrong again, but it means that I know, and there's been a difference in my life because of what Jesus Christ did for me. The difference was, again, I got right with God. Now, let me ask you a couple of questions. How do I determine, how do you determine if you're right with God? Does God look at my good works and see if they outweigh my bad works? Is that what we do? Or see if bad works outweigh my good works? Or does it really matter about my works the question that we want to ask you today is are you right with God are you right with God that's a question that I want everybody listen that everybody to ask themselves this morning is am I right with God and God forbid if something would happen whatever if something happened where where would I be where would I go would I would I be in paradise with God or would I be in hell Am I right with God? I think that's an important question to ask. Am I right with God? You see, I believe everyone here this morning, now don't, don't tune me out. I, I, I need you. I'm not going to be long this morning, but we're, we're, we're worshiping and we're praising God for the resurrection. And so is, is that blood atonement applied to you? Do you believe? Are you secure? Are you right with God? It's, it's big. I, I care about you. And, and are you right with God? You could be maybe coming to church here since you was a little child, but I, I want you to ask that question to yourself. Are you right with God? I think we can put everybody in this room into one of four categories, one of four categories, and I wrote them up there for you. Are you right with God? Number one, there would be some that would say that most likely they are secure, but they are unsure. And this is a tough place to be. They are usually right with God. They're really right with God. They, they know they're right with God, perhaps, but they just don't have a peace about it. And they are un unnerved constantly. In other words, I went through the motions. I, I really believe in Jesus Christ, but my life doesn't dictate that I'm born again 
And so I don't really have a security that I'm right with God. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's you this morning. And that's not a good place to be. Amen? Number two, maybe this is your category, that there are those who feel sure, but they're not secure. Maybe they believe in, maybe you believe in religion, or maybe you believe in good works. Maybe you have this truth knowledge that you believe in, and you, you're all in in this belief knowledge, but you're not secure with God. Maybe that's you. You know, um, um, my father was that away. Dad, are you saved? Yeah, I'm as saved as anybody else is. Well, what do you trust, Dad? Well, I'm just as good as someone else. I'm a, I'm a good person, and I believe, I, believe, I believe people can go to heaven on many different ways and things. But he was never secure about that because he didn't know God. But he saved the day. Everybody say amen. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. Number three, another group would be not sure and not secure. They may say, well, I don't know. I kind of sort of think this, maybe, but I'm not really sure. I haven't really given a whole lot of thought. It's not that important to me. The fourth category would be those who are secure and sure. And this is where I hope that everybody is. This is where everybody should be. And that is that beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know that you are right with God. You're not perfect. <laughs> you're not perfect, but you're right with God. You trust in the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that your, your life has been changed, and that you're secure in your relationship with him. This is where we all should be. So the question is, is how do we achieve that position with God? Today we're going to look at three things that will make sure that we know that we're right with God. We'll open your Bibles again to uh, Luke chapter 23, and let's look in verse 38. Now here are the famous last words we're going to look at this morning. And there's really three people in this story. Everybody listen. Three people in this story. There's Jesus and there's two criminals. Now, everyone in this room is represented by either one criminal or the other. Which one are you? Let's read the text. Verse 38. So he went down the Vela de Ro he was beaten. He went down the Via della Rosa. He was put up on top of the cross with two thieves. And we pick up the story in verse 38, and it says that there was an inscription above him, and it said, This is the king of the Jews. Now, they wasn't giving him honor, Cornerstone. They were mocking him. They were mocking our Savior, the king of the Jews. In verse 39, it says, And one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. So here's the first thief, and he insults Jesus Christ. And he says, If you are who you say you are, he was just like the rest of the crowd then save yourself and save us. He was, he was mocking him. He, he, was, he was mocking our Savior. And I read on in verse 40. But the other answered and rebuking the other thief said, Do you not even fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed are suffering. Listen, look at this. This one thief, the other thief said, And we indeed are suffering justly. For we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But referring to Jesus, the thief said, But this man has done nothing wrong. 
And he was saying in verse 42, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In verse 43, and Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. It got dark because God turned his head, because Jesus at that point took on our sins. He became a murderer. He became the drunk. He became a liar. He became a sex offender. He became an adulterer. And all those things, remember, God cannot look upon sin. So it was during that time, and it fell dark, that Jesus took upon our sins. In verse 45, because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two, and Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last words. And then, of course, we know the rest of the story that he was taken into a borrowed tomb. And three days later, the stone was rolled away, and he wasn't there. Everybody give the Lord a hand, will you? Amen. Now, three questions for all of us to be secure and sure with God. Number one, question number one, and I hope you're taking notes. Write this down and answer this question on your notes. Do you see your need? Do you see your need? I think that's the first question. If you're going to be sure and if you're going to be secure in your relationship with God, if you're going to be like this thief and you're going to, and you're going to say to him, Lord, I want to be in, the, in, in your kingdom with you, and for Jesus to say, you'll be with me in paradise, I th- first of all, do you see your need? Hey, do you see your need? Do you see your need of a Savior? Do you see your need? of a Savior, that you're, a, that you're sinful, that you've committed sins, and that you need a Savior? Do you acknowledge that you have a need of forgiveness, and do you see the need of a Savior? In fact, there's two criminals here on this cross, two thieves, and I would argue that they represent to us that we're either one of these two thieves. Notice the Bible says this. It says the repentant one, the repentant thief, said to the arrogant one in verse 41, he said, we're punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. You see it? Now, now follow me here. This guy knew his need for a savior because he, in his mind, he knew that he was a sinner and that he was deserving everything that he got, but the other guy was arrogant and he just mocked the Lord Jesus Christ. But do you see your need for a, for, for a savior? Do you see your need? And the truth is, a lot of people say, no, I don't. I don't see a need for God. Many people will say, I've really not done a whole lot of wrong, and I'm really okay in this area. Or sometimes we get so callous to it because our pride or our lack of consequence that we, that we ex- don't experience and that we don't see a need for a Savior. You know, a lot of people simply um, don't see their need. So let me just help you out for a minute so you can see your need. Are you ready for this? Now, I need everybody to participate with me okay are you going to do it everybody going to do it all right all right how many people here raise your hand now this is only going to be successful if you raise if you if you participate okay you going rachel you with me 
Okay, do you see your need? Do you, to be right with God, you've got to see your need. And a lot of people don't see their need because of pride, because of maybe whatever the reason may be. So I'm going to help you to see your need this morning. Are you ready? Okay, how many people here, raise your hand, if you've ever told a lie, raise your hand. Okay, all right. All right, keep your hands up, please, please. <laughs> Look at all these Pentecostals we got out here, huh? All right, um, no, keep your hands up. Now, if you've told a lie, what does that make you? A liar. You're a no good liar. Put your hands down. Okay, very good, very good. Let's try it again, okay? Um, if you've ever stolen anything, raise your hand. Ah, oh, not near as much hands. Not near as much hands. So I guess every one of you have always tithed and given your tithe to God. Huh? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Because the Bible says if you don't tithe, you're stealing from God. Okay. So, okay, very good. All right. Put your hands down. All right. <laughs> Some of y'all need a greater need than others, I'm telling you. Um, I'm just playing. We all have that need. We're all on the same playing field, okay? Now, if you've ever put anything before God, raise your hand. Mm, yeah. What does that make you? Makes you an idolater. An idolater. So put your hands down. So from what I see is you're a no good, lying, thieving, idolaters. Welcome to Cornerstone Baptist Church. You ought to well make yourself at home, okay? <laughs> Welcome to Cornerstone. <laughs> you know, the church is a, it's, it's not a museum for saints. This is a hospital for sinners. Amen, everybody. But, but what I want you to understand this morning is that, you see, you, you, you've got a need. You've got a need of a Savior because, because all that you try to muster up in your good works and everything that you can muster up, you will never earn your right to heaven. You'll never do it. You need the Savior, and there's only one Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. You have a need. Do you have a need? Yes, you have a need, and his name is Jesus Christ for all your answers. You know, <clears throat> these two thieves, the difference between them was is that one didn't recognize his need, but the other one did. And for that reason, that day he was taken to paradise with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's always kind of interesting to me is that uh, while I'm preaching or maybe if I'm talking to people um, at the hospital or in their homes or whatever it may be, I could, have, I could be looking at two different people. And again, this is, this is like the application from this story, just like these two thieves. And I could be talking or I could be witnessing or I could be preaching and I can look out here and see people. And it's very interesting to me that, that I can look and I can see one person is getting it I can see kind of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and I can kind of see that they're getting it, and they're taking in, and they're making application in their life, and they're really, you know, asking questions about themselves, you know, and, but then sitting right next to that person, Amy, not, I know you don't do that. This is, this is my, my son's girlfriend, Amy, and uh, he had to go out of state to get one because, anyways, but, um, but, but you, know, you know how you can have two people? And, and one, of them's, one of them can be getting it, 
But the other one hears the same message, hears the same thing, but doesn't get it. For whatever reason, they're looking at their watch, they're yawning, when can I get out of this? Look, you first got to come to a place of humility and recognize that you're not all that, that you don't have all the answers in within yourself, that you have a need because you're a thieving, lying idolater, and Jesus Christ is the only answer for your sin problem. Isn't that something? Some could be getting it, but some could not be getting it. And the difference is, is we decide what we want to hear and not hear. The difference is, do we see ourselves as having a need or not? Cornerstone, my friends, I love you. I'm not trying to put you down, but you see, you've got a need. You've got a need. Do you see it? The second thing I want you to look at and I want you to, to ask yourself is this. Now that you know you have a need, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Just like it says in Luke chapter 23, the repentant criminal said this. He said to the other one, he said, don't you fear God? And he's speaking of Jesus, of course, because Jesus is God, if you didn't know that. Jesus and God is the same person. Jesus is incarnate God. That means God became flesh is exactly what that word means. But even the criminal on the cross, that criminal realized there's something different about Jesus and that he is sinless and he has done nothing wrong. So let me ask you this morning, who do you say Jesus is? You know, if you, if you, if you can look at all the scholars in the world, almost, almost all the scholars in the world, whether they're Bible scholars or secular scholars, and just about every single person will tell you that Jesus Christ was a, was a man on this earth, that he existed. They'll all tell you that. But that's not enough. You see, he's the savior of the world. You know, Jesus often asked people, who do you think that I am? You remember, he even asked Peter. He even asked Peter. He said, Peter, um, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, well, some say you're Elijah, and some say you're John, and some say you're this, and some say you're that. And then Jesus looked right at Peter, and he says, okay, but who do you say that I am? And what did Peter say? He said, you're the Christ. He said, you're the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You know, and throughout the scripture, and I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm setting you up here, you think throughout the scripture and, 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 and what the Bible says that who Jesus is. Remember, the question to you is, who do you say Jesus is? Because if you just think that he's some man, it's, it's not enough. You see, because he's the Savior. But what does the Bible say? Well, when God looked at the baptism of Jesus and opened heaven and spoke, who did God say that Jesus was? He said this. He said, this is my son who I am well pleased. That's who God says that Jesus is, that he's his son. When Judas, and you may remember that when Judas betrayed Jesus, what did Judas say about Jesus? Judas said, I have betrayed innocent blood. Now think about it. Remember Pilate? Pilate condemned Jesus to a horrible death on a cross, but Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. That's who Jesus is, ladies and gentlemen. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? 
Look at his life. And Scripture tells us this, that he made himself nothing, that he humbled himself, taking on the very nature of a servant, and he became obedient even unto death. And when Jesus was born, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he was born in a humble stable surrounded by animals. When Jesus died, how did he die? While on a seat, while on a throne? No, he died while hanging on a cross. Did he bear a crown of gold? No, the Bible says he bore a crown of thorns. He was, was he surrounded by worshipers and servants? No, the Bible says that he was numbered with the transgressors. He was surrounded by thieves, and when his enemies hurled insults at him and man did their worst, the Bible says that Jesus looked up to his heavenly Father and he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And when he spoke the faithful words, I thirst, the Bible says they gave him vinegar to drink. Of course, that fulfilling the last of dozens of prophecies on the cross. And Jesus looked up to his father and he said, it's finished. It's accomplished. It is perfect. The work has been done. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with that, he gave up the ghost. He breathed his last breath. He went to hell, and he, of course, taken our sins with him. He gave his life because, listen to me, because we have a need. Amen? He paid our sin debt because we can't pay our sin debt. Then the Bible says three days later, three days later, the Bible says that God proved that the work was perfect, that it was finished, and that death and hell and the grave were defeated. The stone was rolled away, and Jesus was not there. He rose from the grave. Amen, everybody? So, number one, do you have a need? Do you see your need? Number two, you got to answer this question, who is Jesus? Who do you see Jesus as? And number three, the last, the last question is, is, have you received the grace. Have you experienced his grace? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior? And, and in other words, have you knelt with your knees, but more importantly, with your heart? And have you repented of your sins? And have you called upon him to be Lord, master, and savior? You know, I, I bet there are a couple of people saying in here, maybe, or whatever, and we hear this and they say, well, you know, I'm kind of exempt from that because, you know, I'm not a bad person. You know, yeah, I've done a few things wrong or whatever, but, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty, pretty, I'm pretty good. Well, you, you know, the Bible says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one of us. So we can't make us out to be anything more than what we are, lying, thieving, idolaters. So the, really the question is, is have you received his grace? Have you accepted the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? Look, at, listen, we're just, we're done. He rose from the grave. The stone was rolled away and he's no longer there. He took on our sin and he rose from the grave. And we know today and we'll be looking at in the future that he ascended into heaven and he's, with the right hand to the, he's at the right hand of the Father today making intercession for us. He's alive. But the question to you is, have you accepted that grace that he offers. You see, it's not about nominalism. It's not about knowing the name Jesus that gets you into paradise and to his kingdom. That's for junk food junkies, right? That's, that's not what it is. Accepting his grace 
is repenting, turning from one direction to the another, and believing, professing with your mouth and believing in your heart, there's going to be a life that is changed. There's going to be a life that has changed. Your life is going to be transformed when you meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So the question is, maybe you never knew that you had a need. Maybe you didn't have the right idea about this, about Jesus, but now those two pieces put it all together for you, and so maybe it's time for you to accept that grace because the Bible says, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, it's either heaven or it's hell. There's no purgatory. There's no in-between. There's no maybes or what-ifs. It's either one way or the other. Every one of us represents one of two of those thieves on the cross. When Jesus in that sixth hour gave up the ghost and the other one died, he went directly into the kingdom of God. The Bible says, you know, that that when we pass away, our spirit is with him. But the other one went directly to hell. Every one of us are represented by one of those two thieves. I wonder which thief best represents each and every one of us. Remember, we're just like that thief, those thieves in the aspect that we're all here, and we're all hearing the message, and the Holy Spirit is here, and certainly the Holy Spirit is doing some work here because he's here. I know the Holy Spirit is here, by the way, because I'm here and I'm saved. I'm just kidding around. But no, but that's really true. You know, I'm just, but I just don't want to, if you're saved, that means the Holy Spirit's here, okay? But, but you know, but one person's getting it, and the other person's not. They're just like a donut, and they're all glazed over. Don't be glazed over this morning. Do you see your need? Do you know who Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Accept his grace. Hey, today is the Super Bowl of Sundays. Not because of football playing, but because we celebrate Easter. We celebrate the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that he came from glory to earth. He lived a perfect life. He gave his life for us. He took on the sin debt, and then he, then he, was, he died. He gave up the ghost, and then he rose again to give us all everlasting life. Are you right with God? Are you right with God? Are you right with God? That's the question. I hope and pray that on this Easter, if you're not right, that you'll get right with him this morning, okay? Let's bow our heads. Let's stand, and while our heads are bowed, One thief humbled himself. And you know, he couldn't do works while he was on that cross. He couldn't go jump into a baptistry. All he could do was throw himself on the grace of God through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for it is by grace that you are saved through your faith. That it's not of yourself, that it's a gift from God. For that reason, no man can boast about it. You are never saved by works, but only by grace. You are one of two thieves.
on one of two crosses. Which one are you? One rejected Christ. The other one threw himself upon his mercy and simply said, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus said to those who trust him, today you'll be with me in paradise.